0: Welcome, world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Key West Lou. I am your host, Louis Patron. This has been an unusual week. Uh, events are worldwide. We, we've had the last several weeks where many of the important things or things I wanted to talk about and share with you occurred within uh, the United States. Uh, some are within our country tonight, uh, but most are outside our country. I- I'm going to start with something that I didn't even plan on discussing tonight. I was watching television about an hour ago, one of the news stations, and I see we're 88, this is what the Trump people have announced, 88 retired United States generals and admirals, 88 in total number, Uh, have written a letter supporting Trump for president. Uh, I thought about that for a few minutes. That's a big number. It's pushing 90. But then I said, how many retired generals and admirals are there? And I have two observations I wish to share with you. I did a little homework as far as I could go quickly. Number one, Trump's got 88 generals and admirals retired supporting him. There are 498 active generals, not admirals, generals. When I say generals, I'm talking about Army, Air Force, Marines. There are approximately 4,500 retired generals, 4,500 retired generals. Now that number of 88 sucks when compared to 4,500. It's minuscule, and remember, the 88 includes uh, admirals. I tried to get the same data for admirals as I got for generals. I couldn't find it, believe it or not. I was looking for the retired number, and I couldn't quickly find it. In my research, I apologize, but what am I trying to say to you? 88 retired generals and admirals, when there are alone 4,500 retired generals, amounts to diddly-dip. It's not impressive at all. That's number one. Number two is this, and this is something I wish in the next day or two, someone in the national media, and someone probably will do this, like the New York Times or something. I'd like to know how many of those 88 retired generals and admirals are working for the military-industrial complex now or have worked for the military-industrial complex. Remember, these generals and admirals, they retire Then the military-industrial complex picks them up, pays them an exorbitant salary. Uh, Now let's put this together because they have friends in the Army and the Navy and the Marines and so forth and the Air Force, and they know these retired personnel can go back to their other general and admiral friends and get them to write contracts, et cetera, uh, to make estimates, et cetera, that are going to help the military-industrial complex because most of these generals and admirals, when they retire, want to go to work for the military-industrial complex. That's the way it is in life. Well, as it comes out now, uh, what I want to know is this: How many work for the military-industrial complex now, or have worked for it? Because if there are many of that 88 do, then those numbers have to be eliminated. Uh, because these men have been influenced, are being influenced by their big paychecks today or have been influenced by their big paychecks in in the past. I call them on this. I call them because I think this is a consideration and what has been done. Now, let's go to what my schedule was for night of items to talk about. I'm going to start with China and how they insulted our president today. Uh, not today, yesterday or today, whenever he landed o- over in China for this uh, big conference uh, of all nations that's being held in Asia. Uh, the uh, face is big. When you come to the Orient, face, not to be embarrassed is a very important thing. Well, when, Senator, when President Obama flew in, uh, they wouldn't let his Air Force plane unload the president. Let the president leave from the front of the plane, where there was a red carpet and the dignitaries normally stand. Understand this, that before Obama flew in today, Britain had flown in, France had flown in, Russia had flown in, uh, Italy had flown in, everyone had flown in, and every plane got the red carpet treatment from the front door of the plane. The, the Chinese personnel in charge at the airport in China would not permit our president to leave through the front door of the plane and walk down on the red carpet and meet the dignitaries. They made him come out the back of the plane. That's considered an insult. Whenever, Remember years ago, uh, Clinton flew someplace and he took Speaker of the House Newt Gingrich with him and how pissed off Gingrich was because Clinton wouldn't let him get off the front of the plane. He had to get off the back of the plane. This is considered an insult in the, in, in these areas with these type people, high governmental officials. So China forced our president to get off the back of the plane. It is an insult and everything was a mess. Susan Rice is with the president. She got hustled. Everybody was getting pushed around. There wasn't a line of dignitaries, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, One of the Chinese officials shouted, this, and I quote, this is our country, this is our airport, unquote. The president said, don't worry about it, and he walked over and he got into his limousine. It's an insult, folks. You may not consider it, but this was China saying, up yours, to the President of the United States and the United States. We have big problems with China, remember. And those problems involve right now the South China Seas. If there is one country in the world that is our number one adversary, it is China now. It isn't Russia. It is China. They have expanded militarily in the last five years into the South China Seas. They've actually constructed islands. Uh, They've built airports. They have in the last five years... I think the numbers like 475 new military naval vessels have been created, have been constructed. We haven't made that many in 20 years. They've got missiles on some of these that from the South China Sea can hit cities in the United States off these vessels. Uh, China also, they're in bed with Putin. Uh, you know, they're happy. They're in bed with Putin. They're doing things together. It seems like everyone wants to embarrass us lately. Maybe it's our fault. Maybe it's Obama's fault. Maybe he has not effectively stood up to the opposition, so to speak, in the last few years. I think that this might be part of it. But whatever it is, we got embarrassed today. Our president got embarrassed. Not a nice thing. Which brings me now to a man that I describe as the Philippine Islands, Donald Trump. I spoke about him at Lunt two weeks ago. His name is Rodrigo uh, Duterte, Duterte, D-U-T-E-R-T-E, Duterte, no, Duterte, Duterte. I apologize. My pronunciation sometimes isn't good. But I spoke about him at Lunt two weeks ago. He just became president in May, I think. Um, and one of his, uh, you know, like Trump is going to deport the immigrants. You know, any illegal aliens, they're gone one way or another. Well, Duterte's got a promise out there, a problem. He has a drug problem big time in the Philippines, and he said he was going to get rid of the dealers and the people who use drugs. And he was a man of his word and has been a man of his word since May when he took office. What he does is he created a special force to go out and find the dealers and the users, etc., Now, just like Donald Trump's going to have a special force, he's indicated, uh, to go after the illegals to discover them. So what he does when they find a dealer, a user, and I'm ashamed to say this. I'm shocked to say what I'm going to share with you. The families of dealers and users, they're all killed summarily by these special squads there's no trial okay they there's no (laughs) judicial proceeding they just kill these people right on the spot families included children included thus far the estimate is 2,400 people uh he's gotten rid of okay during my show two weeks ago i said you know this guy's not too nice he called our you Ambassador, are you United States ambassador he said he was annoying, a homosexual, a son of a bitch. Uh, he said, because the United Nations was critical of these people that he's killing at random, he said, and I quote about the UN, if you're a rude son of a bitch, we'll just leave you. In other words, he's going to leave the United Nations. He also said, I don't give a shit. Yep, this is the way this guy talks. He's another Donald Trump, friends. I don't give a shit about them. They are the ones interfering. Uh, Now, what did he say today? What did he say today that was so terrible? He said something awful today. And in so doing, he insulted the president. I forget President Obama. He insulted the president's mother. And here's what he said. He called Obama today a son of a whore, quote, unquote, the son of a whore. Can you imagine such an insult? Uh, Obama's mother's dead. He insulted Obama's dead mother, calls her a putan. That's an Italian. A whore. Well, Obama had a meeting scheduled for today or tomorrow with uh, Duterte to discuss American-Filipino relations, and Obama canceled it. Good for him. He canceled it. But the winner in this cancellation is not the United States, it's not Obama, it's China. Because China really wants, they are desperate for the Philippine support. And here's the scenario why. The United States and Japan have a treaty that if anyone attacks Japan, we will step in and help defend Japan. China has been rattling the war swords, okay, battle. on. the last year, they're, when they're going into the South China Seas, which officially are owned by uh, Japan, uh, there's some question, but the, the law seems to lean Japan's way. They've taken over these islands. They didn't care about a quarter or anything else. They just took them over, and they're building these, air, these uh, airports, putting new planes in, and all sorts of things. Now, what's going to happen is this. If we go in and back Japan, which we have to, there's another treaty between the United States and the Philippine Islands. And that treaty says, if we have to go in and defend Japan for any reason, that we can use Philippine ports for our naval vessels. Now, China doesn't want that. Putin, who is in China's back pocket, no longer is the world in his back pocket. In this situation, Putin's in China's back pocket. He's with China. They're doing oil lines, railroad lines, all kinds of commercial deals all over Europe and Asia together uh, with Chinese money and Russian know-how. And hes they're thrilled. They're thrilled because this pushes uh the Philippines won't give us this right. They won't give us this permission. They're going to side with China and Russia, and again, we will be embarrassed, and if there's a war, we're screwed. So that's what's going on with Duarte today. And then we got Putin and Obama. This thing in China, this meeting, I, I I feel sorry for Obama. It can't be easy for him because it seems like the whole world is standing against him, or let me put it this way, certain of the important parties at the meeting, there are 20 different nations, are not supporting him Uh, they are looking upon him with a jaundiced eye putin now we know for the last seven and a half years putin and obama have not gotten along uh every time they've had a meeting or a discussion or something uh the relationship seems to go down downward understandable putin's a scumbag you can't trust the guy that's why he and Trump will get along well together. They're both—I'm saying it—they're both scumbags. They both practice gutter politics. Uh, look at the pictures on TV today, on television, of meeting with other people around between Putin and Obama. Apparently, it was a hello, how are you? These guys look in each other's eyes no smiles on their faces and that look tells you they do not like each other and then when they continue their conversation they really don't look each other in the eye one looks off to the left the other to the right so we got problems there now i want to go to venezuela Nicolas maduro he took office three years ago as you under as you know I have been following him since he took office three years ago, religiously. I don't know why I got into him. I just suspected this guy was trouble from day one. Uh, He's a bad guy. And I've been writing about him, and I've been talking on the show about him. I've been talking about him on my Black Talk radio show. And so let me just give you a brief Venezuela update to show you where we are in this whole thing. Uh, They're starving in Venezuela. They have no food. Maduro is the puppet of the military. The military control the government. Uh, whatever these people are doing, they're making a ton of money, the military. <coughs> and Maduro also, he's benefiting economically. But the people don't have any food to eat. They're desperate. They don't have jobs. They don't have money. They don't have food. I'm talking about starvation. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, what did the people do? Well, they started eating their pets. This was two weeks ago. Then last week, they started going to the zoo, and they were stealing animals from the zoo. I told you, uh, what was it, two weeks ago or last week, the story of the they went in in the middle of the night, a group of people. And there was a black stallion. And in the morning, when the people who worked at the zoo came and they found the stallion, all that was left was his head and his ribcage. They are desperate for food. They are de- there's nothing left to eat off the ground or that grows, okay? Even the grass is gone. They're starving. Those who work, work one day a week because there's no electricity, because Maduro hasn't had the money to upkeep. Uh, that machinery that produces uh, electrical power. You recall that the first thing, and this is why I got into Maduro, the first thing they they came up short on three years ago was toilet paper. And they're still short of toilet paper today. Well, what are they doing now? Maduro, the people are in the streets. They were supposed to have a referendum uh, soon. Maduro canceled the referendum. Now the people are in the streets by the thousands. Uh, the, the video I have seen reminds me of what I saw in Greece five years ago in Athens when the Greek people were demonstrating uh, before Parliament in that huge area they have. They're packed in there like sardines, uh, not just curb to curb. These are wide thoroughfares uh, that they are protesting in. And Maduro went there, I think it was Sunday. He went to speak to the people and he must have thought he was getting somewhere and all of these people are doing are yelling we want food we need food we need food we're starving our children need food so maduro steps down and walks into the crowd well this was a mistake because they started banging on pots and pans they started yelling in his face we're hungry maduro got scared. He started running down the street. I'm serious. It's on television. They've got videos of this. He started running down the street with thousands of people running after him. Uh, and they're shouting obscenities and so forth. Uh, I, I'm sorry for laughing, but can you imagine this happening to Putin or Obama? Uh, anybody. The leader of a country running down the street with thousands of people running behind him. They want to kill him. They have no food. Their children are starving. They are dying because of no food. So that's the story. I have been saying for a year, come the revolution, I don't know when the hell these people are actually going to revolt. Oh, by the way, last week or two weeks ago, uh, Maduro had the military go out and collect people's guns and ammunition. Okay. Guns and ammunition. Rifles, guns, and ammunition. Most of the rifles were old. The guns were made of wood but could shoot, and the ammunition was ammunition. The government destroyed them, crushed them with machines, used hammers and rollers to destroy them. They said because too many people were committing murder on the street, we have to keep the crime rate down. The real reason, Maduro and his generals did not want the people to have guns in case the revolution came. Well, the revolution's still going to come. I'm telling you there's going to be a revolution. It's got to come before the end of the year. It's got to come soon. I don't know what more of these people are going to put up with. Uh, because if they don't do something, they're going to get wiped out. There's nothing to eat, and the government is not helping them in Venezuela. Now, this is disgusting, what I'm going to share with you. Uh, I read a lot. Most of you read it. We all read and, you know, in the major newspapers and sometime in our local newspapers, there are what we call op-ed columns, O-p-e-d. op-ed columns, where some big shots, some corporate president or retired military person or some former senator or political figure of consequence will write a column and say, I agree with this or I don't agree with it, okay? Wow. You know what came out this week? <laughs> These op-eds, which appear in major uh, United States newspapers, are not written by the people whose names appear on the column. They're written by ghostwriters. There is an outfit out there called Key Bridge Communications. Key Bridge. It's named after uh, Francis Scott Key, Star Spangled Banner. Key Bridge Communications. It's in Washington, D.C., a boutique public relations firm. Uh, It was founded by a former Wall Street Journal writer. It specializes in writing and placing, writing and placing, op-eds. Their clients, influential trade groups, and global corporations. They place approximately 3,000 of these op-eds a year. The cost is $5,000 each. It's 500 to 800 words, $5,000 each. They guarantee that it will appear in one or more newspapers and reach at least 50,000 readers. Not difficult to attain. Again, they're generally CEOs of major corporations. And what, what happens is this money is being paid to Keybridge to write these uh, op-eds uh, to influence public thinking. But the corporations, the retired military people, the retired politicians, they don't write them. They pay $5,000 to Keybridge Communications to do it, and they dance to the tune that they are paid to dance to. They do it the way that he who pays pays the fiddler calls the tune. My law school professor used to tell me this. Uh, Mr. Lloyd, constitutional law, he who pays the fiddler uh, calls the tune, and they call the tune as to what should be in these columns. A disgusting situation. Uh, Colin Kaepernick. Quarterback for the 49ers, San Francisco 49ers. He's been in the news the last couple of weeks. He has either sat or kneeled during the playing of the Star-Spangled Banner before uh, professional football games in which his team is involved. He's a star, this man. He's a black man. Uh, What he's doing, in my opinion, he's protesting. It's his way of protesting for black rights, Afro-American rights against police brutality and things like that. And he's doing it, and this is his way of doing it, and he's hurting nobody. I mean, we we live in a country where you can spit on the American flag, you can stomp on it, you can burn it. It's protected constitutionally. It's the First Amendment right to protest. And that's what he's doing in a much milder fashion, and I believe he has the right to do it. This brought to my attention and the world's attention, when he was doing the Star-Spangled Banner. And they started talking about two lines and one of the stanzas that was anti-black and anti-British. So I started looking it up. And there's interesting stories involved with the entire life of the Star-Spangled Banner from that day in 1814 when Francis Scott Key stood on a a British warship that wouldn't let him off that night and watched the, you know, the the bombs and the rockets uh, going on to Fort McKendree, et cetera, et cetera, and the other things which have happened with the Star-Spangled Banner over the years. Very interesting. Why am I spending this time telling you? My column in this week's Conk Life, which hits the stands tomorrow, is the Star-Spangled Banner from birth to today. There's at least six or seven good sub-stories involved. And if you have the opportunity, please read it. And I also talk about Kaepernick. Right. TTP, the Trans-Pacific Partnership. Trump's against it. Hillary's against it. I started talking about this two years ago, this portion of it. Everybody's against, people are against it or against it for the right reason. I, I believe it will take jo- more jobs from the United States. Uh, it'll be NAFTA, but on a more worldwide uh, basis. There was something else I came across, but nobody was writing about it, and I mentioned this. I mentioned this probably on this show two years ago, uh, that one of the things you got to worry about, I believe this whole TTP thing, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, is a ploy, is a play by corporate not America, corporate world, to take over all the countries of the world. Let me repeat, all the countries of the world. Don't think I'm crazy, all right? Now, one of the things they've gotten here are what they call, and this thing that they want us to pass, are corporate tribunals, corporate courts, okay? Technical name, Investor State Dispute Settlement Tribunals. And their problem is whenever a corporation – has a problem with a government that's a member of this organization. Let's say that some corporation doesn't like the fact that our OSHA laws are too stiff or our pay scale is too high. Normally these things get fought in United States courts, but no more, because now this will be fought in these international tribunals, three judges, all corporate representatives, not even full-time judges, Three corporate representatives who are going to decide. Who are going to decide uh, which way this should go? It's a backdoor approach to getting rid of objectionable things. Like they'll change the whole purpose of this. No question is to change health and safety regulations. You know which impact on their bottom line. They figure it costs them too much money to do what we say with our laws, and they're going to do this with France, England, Germany, everybody. All right. And also, if officers commit criminal crimes under a nation's laws, they will not be tried in a court in the nation where they broke the laws. They will be tried before this International Corporate Tribunal, three corporate representatives somewhere, which means no one's ever going to go to jail for doing bad things. It's hard enough to convict people as it is. Look how many people, because of 2008, have gone to jail. What is it, one? None? None? Uh, it's going to be even more difficult. This is why this part of TTP is involved. I don't know, I don't know why Obama, I know Obama's for it, but somebody in our country has got to start talking about this. People, you were not aware. People are not aware. I'm bringing it up. on. I've known about it and I've talked about it, but it came up again. in something I read on the weekend. We've got to start talking about these things, okay? Because we may not like that they're going to change one of our laws, but there's nothing we can do about it. We transfer control, our sovereignty, our national American sovereignty, we transfer to international corporations who will then judge whether our laws are okay for corporations who do things in the United States who may not be United States corporations. Isn't that wild? And Obama wants it. I think he's wrong in the, with, with all of this. Uh, I just don't buy these Trans-Pacific things, NAFTA or anything like that. We already have seen what has done to Detroit and the rest of this country. Um, let me and this—the next thing I'm going to share with you quickly because my time's running out—proves my point here. A study has come out. Uh, this is data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics United States data, Bureau of Labor Statistics just came out last month. All right they keep this steadily they've been keeping this record every month since nineteen thirty nine and for the do you know that government workers today outnumber manufacturing workers, people who work in manufacturing? by 9,932,000 people. In other words, there's almost 10 million more people working for government, federal, state, and local, than there are working in plants that manufacture products and things. Uh, It wasn't this way until uh, 1989. It was pretty even in 1989. Now it's been slipping, and it keeps dropping, and this is proof. This is one way of proving those jobs have gone overseas where the hell did all these jobs go all right that's 10 we just to get even we got to bring 10 million jobs back here we're not going to do it especially if we go along with the trans-pacific thing ttp all right that's the show for this week i thank you again for joining me Uh, I know many of you listen to the archive version. It's on Black Talk Radio, YouTube, and tomorrow morning this show will be linked to my Key West Lou website. I write a blog every morning. It's about Key West and a little bit about politics and social events, not social dances. I'm talking about cultural events. Please read my blog. If you read it three days, you may read it forever. It only takes 30 seconds. It's interesting. KeyWestLou.com. Thank you again for joining me. I look forward to being with you next week.